Welcome to The Heartbeat. Super excited you're here. Just wanted to say again, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. You guys rock. We've gotten over 300 episodes and there ain't no breaks on this train. We got to keep going. (laughs) I'm really excited for the future of this and we have some plans coming down the road, but everything's kind of been uh, postponed until further notice because of everything going on in the world, right? And so I'm kind of cruising at this pace, but I would love to hear from you guys on topics you want to cover and things like that. It's been amazing uh, conversing with y'all in my DMs on Instagram, and I really just want to say uh, thank you for everybody who's reached out with questions or reached out to ask for help. That takes a lot of courage. And if you're listening, you know, I'm, I am a safe space. If you need help, you want guidance, you're looking for solutions to things, um, follow me, hit me up slide my dms i'm here to help uh in any way that i can i've also got tons of free resources lots of them are new so go check it out heartguy.com and i'm really excited about this episode of the podcast because you know a lot of people ask me how do you heal trauma how do you change your life and uh, in a simple way you you've got to really break it down where your decisions control your life right like your decisions dictate where you're at in life. Well, if you want to control your decisions, you actually got to look at what controls your decisions in the first place, which is your subconscious. And that's the part of you that doesn't necessarily have an internal dialogue. There's no voice in your head. This is your gut reaction to things. This is your body running the same patterns. Um, And if you want to change your subconscious, there's a ton of different modalities for this. And one of them we're talking about today is hypnosis and hypnotherapy. And you don't necessarily need a practitioner to do this or uncover what your subconscious beliefs are. Um, but I love the quote by Rumi that is, your task is not to seek love, but merely to seek all the barriers within yourself that keep yourself from it. And what he's saying is really to, to dive inward and look inward at your subconscious and your beliefs about yourself or about love or about relationships that are keeping you from it so that you can allow yourself to have it. And so I'm really excited to be presenting this podcast episode to you guys today uh, with Desi. She's an amazing person and a clinical hypnotherapist. And we talked, I mean, the gambit, we, we covered a lot of different topics. It was a great conversation to so make sure that you do take notes on this one. We get some really cool tools that you guys can use, again, without even having a practitioner to uncover some of your subconscious beliefs and even change them so you can actually allow yourself to make new decisions and then you change your life. And there's been lots coming up because of coronavirus and everything going on in the world right now. So I feel this is amazing timing to be talking about this stuff because so many people are primed and open to suggestions on this stuff as we're looking to finally take ownership of our emotional life and not relying on the external, whether that's the right relationship or the right job or the right numbers in your bank account to make you happy, that you get to be happy on your own because you take ownership of your emotions and you take ownership of your life. So without further ado, you're listening to The Heartbeat. So what's on your heart to talk about today? 
Well, I think um, I was I was thinking, you know, about um, hypnotherapy as I was watching Freud just a few nights ago, and how Freud at the beginning was struggling to to introduce hypnosis, and how at the time, you know, psychology had taken such a sterile turn. Um, everything was so, you know, everything in it to be, you know, proven and. Uh, it is just you know the human mind is obviously you know going into soul and body and everything together, but um, it just you know I felt I felt triggered and upset about the fact that these these men you know these older gentlemen in like mm-hmm. their you know late seventies uh, felt so soulless and dry, um, and they wanted to you know show that hypnosis doesn't work and it. It's not real, mm. and um, and even the way the methods were introduced, even Freud himself tried to lie about it because he was so insecure. Uh, and wow. it was interesting that when he, you know, in this, he was trying to prepare. He so basically, he was preparing his maid to have a fake experience, like a fake memory, right? About hmm. about how she was pretending to be a a, a mute woman that had gone mute because she lost her five-year-old daughter in a in an accident and she every time they try to prepare it you know she was like oh so i don't know i'm not very good at it but when he was doing the actual show uh to all the, the psychologists and psychiatrists um she actually went there and what he proved at the time was the possibility of uh, allowing that you know false Im- implementing false memories and basically allowing mm. for the mind to go into such a state where she actually believed that she had had the accident and then for a good few minutes she was mute. Wow. She couldn't speak, uh, which was a disappointment to him because he was supposed to show that, look, through hypnosis I can cure her and she can speak again. You know, and, and, and throughout the show they use a lot of that and he's trying so hard to prove how hypnosis is working, uh, but because he doesn't believe it, himself you know he's he's Mm. doubting all the time um he keeps failing um and i thought yeah it's it's so funny that it's just now beginning to be widely accepted and seen for what it Mm. is Mm -hmm. Uh, right and even myself like i was somebody that really didn't believe in it or really took it seriously until i got into it until i started getting signs from the universe to become a hypnotherapist and then actually started learning the first time I ever got hypnotized was in in front of my class um by my teacher wow and I thought wow and you know I'm someone that's highly analytical and I've read Freud and I've read all those guys you know and Mm -hmm. I've studied them um but they were never somehow enough for me and then when I experienced that I was like oh this is where it all comes together you know because yes so much of it is psychological yeah you can look at it in that way but there's so much else that we don't know and we're so, you know, we're trying to label it. But oftentimes I even say, you know, when we do hypnosis, just let it be. Um, like, for example, you know, past life regressions, we'd be like, oh, is it real? Am I actually dropping into a past life regression? It doesn't matter because what I've seen is results. You know, people mm-hmm. have improved for the best. And whether it is, you, you know, you're tapping into a past life and the soul is really journeying, or whether it is just symbols being given by your subconscious mind, they're just still so powerful. 
Right. Because I can even see sometimes how a client can is literally I can see the situation and the client has literally just you can see it that way. The client has put it in a different time, wearing different costumes, you know, play, but he's playing mm -hmm. out his or her situation exactly like it is through symbolism. Mm -hmm. And because I of that, the client is able to see a completely different new way of solving their issue and overcoming their challenge. It's a different perspective. Yes. Yeah. One thing that I'm, I know, cause I'm not a hypnotherapist, but I do know quite a few people who do hypnotherapy. Um, mm -hmm. and the little I know about it is that we're always in a hypnotic state, which is believing, you know, what we believe and mm -hmm. hypnosis is, is if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but opening that box, if you will, to change the beliefs to what you want, right, is what doesn't serve mm -hmm. you. Um, mm -hmm. and so I guess, could we talk about that bit? Because I think that that's really what's interesting to me is that we're always in a hypnotic state. And I think a lot of people are like, wait, what? Like, I'm not hypnotized right now, but really, what does that mm -hmm. mean to always be suggested? Well, it means, I guess. right, you are, depend, honestly, depending on your upbringing, right? Depending on mm -hmm. how you were taught to bring, take an in information would mm -hmm. make you more suggestible or less suggestible, right? And Dr. Kappas, founder of HMI, the college that I went to, uh, mm -hmm. he liked to do, you know, he talked about people being directly suggestible uh which would call them we would call them physically suggestible and then indirectly suggestible you know emotionally suggestible uh the emotional suggestible is someone who is highly intellectual they had a primary caregiver um usually a mother that always spoke between the lines uh she would use metaphors um the child was never really aware uh, was never really sure um, how she would react. Um, the child wasn't sure if, you know, the mother was being honest or pretending. Uh, the mother maybe wasn't, uh, didn't really stick to her word. And so the child was more used to um, going by the tone of voice rather than what they actually said. Mm -hmm. You know, so that person, then that child then grows up to be emotional, suggestible, uh, aka uh, highly. Uh, analytical you know so mm. for those people uh, they don't just take and receive information it's harder for them to be hypnotized everything is under criticism and analysis right everything that someone is trying to sell uh and we're talking about directly or indirectly billboards um advertisements mm -hmm. everything like that uh suggestions having conversations with people they're very hard to convince um versus someone that for example was raised very directly you know mother said exactly what she meant she always felt she was congruent she felt mm. exactly um as she appeared and so the child learns that oh we can you can trust things people you know do i i'm going to absorb all this information directly because it things that are sources dependable. are reliable i can trust them yeah, it's, yeah and it's dependable right so that is someone that could be um more easily uh hypnotizable because then you know suddenly uh, they're like oh yeah that ads really speaks to me you know the the you know the commercial really talks to me or, or you're in a conversation they're like okay yeah, i hear you I'm, I'm open to your suggestions um then there's the people that we call somnambulists there's some there are people who are kind of in between right um and those are the people that uh you would even notice they can be quite airy fairy you know, they can be, they're, they're, they're wonderful because they're so creative and you'll find that usually artists, 
tend to be somnambulists because they're so open uh, to everything. And they can sometimes drift. They can sometimes become very analytical, but then, then sometimes they can be so, so open um, and they enjoy it. They, they like mm-hmm. that. So they would be the ones that would be easily hypnotizable, say, at a hypnosis show, right? Mm-hmm. The, the hypnotist would actually pick them. He would ask the questions and he would know by their reaction that, okay, boom, that's a somnambulist come up on stage because they want to be hypnotized. It's, mm. it, they want to experience it. So they will literally follow the suggestions and do them. Right? Mm. They will lift up that lid that we spoke about. You said, you know, they'll lift up their lid and now all the suggestions are going to drop into their subconscious and, and they're going to act them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's the, you know, the, the spectrum that, we, that we're working with. So you can see right. that a lot of people, particularly synambulists, um, can be easily under hypnosis the whole time. And if, in fact, if you do have a somnambulist, if you are working with a somnambulist client, you want to first uh, dehypnotize them and then rehypnotize them. You know, so you want to do them Okay, count. so explain that a little bit more. So you want to count them out, right? So um, a state of hypnosis, you know, we induce the state uh, by disorienting, disorienting the mind. And then we do like a countdown suggesting that by the end of the countdown, you would have dropped deeper, Mm -hmm. right? And so what we want to do is drop them in and then count them back out and to say, okay, from now on, you're no longer suggestible. You you are now completely awake Mm. and aware. And, you know, depending on the person, we can say, you know, now you put under analysis so-and-so so so that you Mm. make sure that people, you know, I've even seen Dr. Kappas on old footage uh, dehypnotize people that, were um that believed to have been um that believed to have uh black magic on them or like you know mm-hmm. someone has done voodoo on them right so again mm-hmm. what is that that's suggestibility right someone saying okay there's black magic on you if you know of it and you accept it then you will sort of experience the consequences of it because yeah, you believe it becomes real it's all believability yeah, it's all believable. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Suddenly the neighbors are <laughs> making holes in the walls. And uh, you're good. Um, so yeah, so it becomes believable for them and they start to act out mm-hmm. everything. Jesus. They start to act out the um, the suggestions of whatever that black magic might have suggested. Uh, maybe right, they're not so- aware, but they know something negative, right? Right. And I guess to put this in more of like a, um, you know, like whether it's black magic or whether it's, I believe that I'm a piece of shit, right? It's kind of the mm-hmm. same thing. Just once you, exactly. if you believe it, you're going to experience that reality. You're right. going to make it true and you're hypnotized into that belief. And it's all because exactly. you believe it. And yeah. so, it's like, all because you accepted it. Exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you're saying dehypnotize, it's actually, uh, letting go of the beliefs that we're not, that we don't want or that we aren't really serving us. Exactly. Yeah. So to mm-hmm. let go of everything that is not for your highest good, that is hindering your, your life path, you know, your earthly experience mm-hmm. and just, yeah, well, just letting it, I think letting that go. that's, you know, cause whether it's, Oh, I'm not lovable or I'm never going to be enough or I'm mm-hmm. a piece of shit, like whatever the beliefs are that we're subconsciously telling ourselves over and over and over again yeah. and believing um, in, from your experience, especially as, as a hypnosis, how does somebody shift that maybe without 
going to a hypnotherapist or, or even on their own, like how do they, cause I think part of the reason somebody that would hold on to that so strongly is because, well, this is me. It's true. Yeah. This yeah. is how it is. Absolutely. And so it, it's, it's like we almost defend it. Yeah, of course, because it's how we're used to surviving, right? Um, I, I love to always go back. We start with the beginning, right? So you mm -hmm. start a childhood. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I, I've learned not to dismiss child, inner child work. Um, and I don't like to say, you know, there's the practice of inner child, outer child. I'm not really referring to that one. I'm more talking about you going back in time to all those triggers, you know, that, mm -hmm. that cause you to feel that way. Uh, really allowing yourself to like sit in meditation and remember where did that come from? When was the first mm -hmm. time I heard that? Right. And sometimes it's just the feeling because oftentimes um, the hippocampus that records all our visual memories uh, might not be active during a traumatic experience or during a time of panic or crisis and delete the visual memory. But the amygdala, actually the one responsible for you, it's called the emotional brain. The emotions are always recorded right so you will always feel the emotions that's why sometimes people feel like oh i feel i have this sense that something was was wrong like something went wrong in childhood but i can't remember it right and it's useless to do hypnosis on that to remember an event because it might have literally been deleted from your brain as a memory as a visual memory and you will not see it again but the emotion is always there so checking in with like sitting in with that emotion okay what is this emotion about where is that coming from and validating it right so going back to the little child and validating their experience, not, you don't have to preach to them and tell them, oh, this is good for you or this is bad. No, just say, I hear you. I see you. Because oftentimes as children, we're not being seen. We're not being heard. And so it's going back there as your adult self, really imagining, putting yourself maybe in your childhood bedroom or maybe a, a beautiful place that you like to play as a child or maybe just creating in your mind a sacred space. Um, maybe you can draw a picture of it, or maybe you go uh, online and you find a beautiful picture that stimulates you, you know, if you want a more, more of a visual stimulation. And then putting yourself there with your little child, making the child feel safe and loved, and just saying, I, I see you, your pain is valid. And what they, you know, the way they, they treated you is not right. And again, like people think, oh, it's not, it wasn't traumatic because it wasn't meaningful enough. No, no, no. We are a product of our environment. So just because you didn't have a serious, you know, um, serious abuse, uh, physical or sexual, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that whatever you experienced wasn't traumatic. Because if you lived in a fairly safe environment, anything little that happened to disturb that would already be a trauma to that child, right? Something that is out of balance of its natural harmony will now be a trauma. And so you have to go back and examine that. Okay, when did this happen? When was that belief of I'm not being good enough implemented? And it usually starts as, as a child and then it will reaffirm itself through a breakup. You know, there you go. Or through like getting fired from your job. Oh, there's that belief. But it's always reinforced. Most of the time, the main belief was implanted as a child. Right, something small. It could have been maybe dad was upset with you and said, oh, my God, you're so useless. You'll never make it. And maybe he didn't even remember it, but to you that meant so much. And boom, you lock that in. Mm -hmm. So that by the time you could already think for yourself when you hit about nine, that belief that was already, already part of your universe. And now every time that belief uh, confirms itself, you, you get some reassurance from, like, you know, your boss or, or, or a school teacher 
they start to add up. So it's, it's really, it's a lot of work, like going back and tracing that to know where it all started and how to like really see yourself and sit with yourself and show yourself some love. Because yeah, absolutely. You have to go and write out, like we talked about reframing, right? Um, so you have to, to sit down and, and write down the old belief and then re- reframe the new belief that you want to live by. And then, like you said, maybe reading it in the mirror to yourself out loud or, or doing it however you like. However, it is so much more powerful when you do trace the belief back. And I've done that mm-hmm. with clients. I've done it on myself, you know, as well. And I, I know and I've felt it work. Uh, and I've done that even without a therapist, you know, without a hypnotherapist, just sort of working on my own, going back in time, sitting with little me, talking to her, loving her. Um, mm-hmm. I sometimes, I like to use Reiki as well. You know, I've done like Reiki too using the symbols. So I'll oftentimes yeah. imagine myself kind of drawing the symbol and then entering through a portal through the symbol as if the portal kind of opens up and creating harmony in that situation, right? So you go back to a traumatic time in your life and you you harmonize the energy in that situation. And then you mm-hmm. sit with that child, even a teenager, you know, and you talk to them and be like, hey, I hear you. You're right. Let me give you a hug. I love you unconditionally. Just so you know, I'm supporting you. I love you. Everything's going to be okay. Everything is fine. You know, that's a deeper then, level of, uh, of working through it. Right. And I, yeah. and I really, I am a big believer that you have to go deep, you know, don't be afraid. Yeah, and don't totally. worry. Time, the time will come, you know, and oftentimes we're not ready, but then something will trigger it, but let's notice those triggers, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you had a fight with your loved one, maybe with a best friend or your partner and they triggered something in you and absolutely feel the feelings react, you know, within you. Um, I, of course I don't ever encouraged to like um lash out but react within you stay with yourself if you're angry punch the pillows but then say okay now let's go back in time where is this Mm -hmm. why is this triggering me so much right it's getting curious about it all and i think like that's something Mm -hmm. that i say is um you know you kind of touched on it and i just kind of want to highlight that for um make sure there's no confusion here like allow yourself to feel angry or allow yourself to feel hurt yes um but you have to recognize the mirror in it all, which is, um, a, you can, you know, punch the wall, you can punch the pillow, you can scream, you can say fuck, 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 but never fuck you and attacking your partner. And I think Mm -hmm. that will, will get a lot of clarity on things and you'll also Mm -hmm. be kind to yourself. You won't sabotage the relationship in in any certain way. Um, you'll see things from a clearer mind. I just wanted to touch on that real quick because that was coming through pretty strong. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, partners are the best thing. I like, that's what I love relationships. Like relationships make mm-hmm. you grow so much. They're beautiful mirrors. They're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And if you are, you know, if you're, you, you are willing and able to sit through it together and really just use the triggers as those mirrors and using them to really find out where is this coming from? Why am I feeling this way? The moment you dissolve them, especially the moments, like even within myself and my own relationship, like the moment I dissolve that little child's fears, I'm a different person. You know, now I'm no longer triggered by the things I was triggered like, you know, a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my relationship has improved so much just from doing that work. And my partner does that work too. And in fact, you know, we're at a level where like we can help each other. 
and you know even i can guide him through hypnosis go back to like you know inner child have a chat like we we actually don't mind that we like working with each other we're open because i would never use what we worked on as an attack against him ever you know so we have that trust between each other um and even though he's not a therapist in any way i have actually taught him some some techniques to help me out too you know and you can do that you can do that with your partner you can do that with the best friend you know if mm-hmm. you don't want to be working directly with a therapist uh, but but it has to, obviously you have to feel out the relationship you know even if it's a friend like what type of friend is it you know are you able it's very you know it can be very subjective mm-hmm. um but if it is somebody that you can work with uh and you trust uh, then go for it and, and you know bounce off of each other have a chat talk about it allow this friend or partner to ask you questions so why do you think this happened when was the first time you felt that you know go ahead and give yourself the breathing space to like really go deep um, yeah. and allow the other person it really helps me for example when my partner keeps asking me questions right mm. and sometimes i'll even give him a list of questions to ask so that i can start going deep and and, and answering mm-hmm. yeah because the but deeper really, really we can works. go the the more healing there is and I think Absolutely, so often we're yeah. like, oh, like I'm triggered. Okay, cool. How do I like handle this situation right now? And then we forget about right. like, wait, okay, well, yeah. what about the inner child in me that's hurt? Uh, yeah. and, and approaching it from that depth. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's really an amazing perspective. If you think about it, like we as adults, you know, we don't, we're, we're mature and adult enough not to react that way. It's just mm-hmm. those the remembrance of the child that's in us, the, the bits and pieces of your psyche that are still connected to the traumatic, painful events of the child. And again, traumatic events don't have to be something huge. They can be something small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be, uh, you know, parts of abandonment. You know, for the, the, the thing is like, I'll give you a personal example. You know, when I was a child, my parents, they're, they're doctors, my whole family are doctors and they had to work nine duties a lot. So oftentimes what my parents would do that, roll up uh, the the blankets and pretend, you know, that they're there, like make a fake person of it, like put a pillow and so that at night I wouldn't be afraid, you know, and I was very young. I think I was three years old. Um, But I still remember that feeling waking up in the middle of the night and feeling deceived, knowing like that's not my parent, you know, you just lied to me. And even though my adult brain understood, of course, like they, you know, they're doctors, they have to be on call. Like they call you in the middle of the night, you've got to go up and take care of your patients and they're working in the emergency room. So sometimes they had to be gone for so long. Um, but the inner child, that three-year-old was in pain and she didn't trust people. You know, mm-hmm. you see how you, it's a lot of mistrust there because, mm-hmm. well, things are not as they seem. And also recognizing the the positives of that you know how much it's it's made me uh, question things and always question reality in a positive way that's also good but also recognizing that okay but on the negative spectrum it did create a trauma i did feel abandoned and i didn't know when it would happen you know it was this uncertainty of like oh you know maybe suddenly and suddenly i'm all alone in the house and i'm three years old so you know those are things that I would look back before that. I'd look back and go, "Oh my god, that's so silly." But then when I started looking deeper into it, um, I was like, "Wait a minute! No, no, no! That has to be addressed. I have to go back to her and talk to her." So I imagined myself going through on one of those nights as she was crying there alone in bed, sitting beside her and saying, "Hi, I'm you from the future, and I'm here to just say that yes, you're right. I love you so much, and you know, it's 
it's okay, I understand, it's very scary. It's no good when mommy and daddy did. And, you know, they should have found a better way. Um, and I completely hear you and I'm here for you. And just hugging her and loving her until she falls asleep. You know, you I can think imagine that, 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 you know, she's falling asleep. Yeah, and I think that also a, a pretty important point is that your adult self is aware of what happened. Right. And, like, mm-hmm. the actual, okay, like, they had to go do their thing and they had responsibilities. Like, I get mm-hmm. it. But I think so often people stop there and they, they see that perspective. Yep. And then, oh, yeah, I forgave them. But the little mm-hmm. kid in you is still feeling like somebody's going to abandon angry. you any second. Right. Or, yeah, she's exactly. Upset. She's scared. She's mm-hmm. angry. She's scared. She's upset. And until you comfort her and until I say, you say, I see you, little me. I, I feel you. You're right. You have every right to feel that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because imagine you're talking to a little three-year-old. Like, don't talk to yourself as the adult. How would you, you know, what if this was your, your own child right now? It helps a lot. Mothers, I find, I'm very understanding of that process. Mothers mm-hmm. do a very good job of going back and talking to the little one because they already have their own children, so they know how to approach a child, you know. But everyone can do it, you know. It doesn't matter right. if you're a mother or not. Like, if you just think about this little innocent child, even if they're a teenager, there's still, you know, a little innocent child building themselves, building their persona, growing, learning about the world, um, and just talking to them. And they're like, yes, you're so right. You know, oftentimes people want to go back to the teenage self, the rebellious self, and to be, you know, look into that and be like, you're so right. You have mm-hmm. every, be angry. I'm here. You know, I'm here mm-hmm. for you. Tell me what you need. And, you know, in hypnosis, I witnessed that happen, that the, the teenage self starts saying, like, this is what I need. And, and I guide the, the client to kind of be there with them, you know, and be mm-hmm. patient. Be like, let them, let them express themselves. Because the truth is, nobody probably heard them at the time. You know, nobody was right. there to hear what you had to say or, or feel you and validate you. And you just had to, you know, get angry and shut it all down and stuff it all, you know, down and bottle it up um, right. and move on. Mm-hmm. And we get to have that acceptance for ourselves mm-hmm. and allow it to be right and okay, I think, too, which is pretty big instead of, oh, I fucked up or I did something wrong. We get to say, mm-hmm. you had, I'm sure you could make different decisions. You have different perspectives now, but like you had every right back then. And yeah. also yeah. something that's helped me um, has been just seeing it as like, dude, I just wanted love and I was hurt and that was how I thought I could get it. Or I was wanting attention and I was lashing out because Mm -hmm. that's how I thought I could get it. It's, it was, you know, in, um, in effective way, but that was just me looking for love and you can have a lot more compassion and understanding instead of, Mm -hmm. uh, judgment and, and shaming or blaming yourself. Right. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And it's those moments of being with them when they, when they do lash out and, Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, you know, as an angry teenager, um, or even as an angry adult, when you're angry, you're screaming and crying, um, you are expecting that somebody else on the other end would do the same, right? So you're ready for a fight, almost, you're ready to start because you're feeling unsafe. But if somebody actually comes and embraces you and says, it's okay, I hear you, suddenly you just melt, because mm-hmm. you feel safe, regardless of all that anger, which is actually fear, when the fear is dissolved by love, you melt that away. You no longer need those walls. Mm-hmm. You know? So you just dissolve yeah. them. And right. want to go. 
and do that work. I like to give an example of, um, you know, Harry Potter, and I don't know if you've seen the Harry Potter series, but there's the one with um, (laughs) the prisoner, the prisoner of Azkaban. I can't remember the name, but anyway, it was the time when, um, you know, he's he's about to get his soul sucked out and he's dying. And suddenly this light appears from somewhere and it saves him. And then he says, um, you know, he tells his friends, Hermione and Ron, like, I think that was my dad. And, you know, and Hermione, I think someone said, like, no, no, maybe that's Dumbledore. So he thinks like, yeah, somebody saved me. You know, it was my dad or Dumbledore. And then they invented this thing where they can actually go back in time. And so he was, he'd gone back in time and he was watching himself getting attacked and getting his soul sucked out. And he's like, guys, guys, watch. This is this is the time when, like, my dad saved me or in Dumbledore. We'll see now. We'll see them. We'll see who actually did it. And nobody's doing it. And nobody's doing it. And he's dying. And he's seeing himself dying. And suddenly he realizes, I think that was me. And, mm-hmm. he, you know, he strikes his wand forward and he does the spell. And he, you know, kills the, the monster and revives himself. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing to say that you are your own hero, and right. you know you are there. You go back. Oh, you know, what if this is the idea? You know, what if every time, if you look back and you felt confident throughout your life, it was actually your future self coming back to heal you, mm-hmm. to show you love, save you, that's a to revive you, definitely. Right. Hmm. And it's in doing the work of going back and being present with your past yeah. self and, and showing them love and compassion, kindness. And yeah. I think that that yeah. belief will anchor in mm-hmm. going back to, yeah. you know, what we were talking about in the beginning with believability on it all. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because once you've dissolved all those barriers, then it's so much easier to clear the grounds. Then it's so much easier for us to go ahead and establish new beliefs. You know, right. it's not to say that you're not going to, of course, like we can totally work, you know, with a client for like six good weeks, uh, once a week and really establish new beliefs. And the reason why hypnosis works so well, of course, is because you don't have, you know, there's no lid. You're directly talking to the subconscious mind and you're shifting old uh, programs. You're shifting old associations with new ones that you, of course, want. Mm-hmm. And so as you keep doing the work, um, week by week uh, things start to come up for you you know that's why we always leave like a week space in between so that things are things are coming up for you i give like i'll give my clients some exercises to write and journal about and then we meet again and we flesh and we keep fleshing it out and fleshing it out and then actually like implementing the changes in the hypnosis session so it's working because you're seeing it you're imagining yourself doing it right you're feeling it with all your senses you're creating this this world in your mind where things are working out where you're seeing yourself with the new ways of thinking um you're seeing yourself living your life with your new beliefs and your brain starts to accept them as reality and it's like mm-hmm. oh okay i i it's safe now for me i know what this looks like i can move forward with it right and it all comes down to belief which i think is mm-hmm. very funny and ironic yeah yeah it is it really is all about it's crazy it's all about beliefs but it's it's Mm -hmm. we're supposed to be programmed that way because you know we get born into this world and immediately we are taught to live in it 
and who teaches us mm-hmm. our closest you know people and parents teachers friends and they will only give you their own perspective that's all they can offer um whatever right. they have been you know it goes down and that's why you know they say trauma is inheritance because it's going to go back down to the generations and you might notice that suddenly the things that served two generations ago don't serve my world now you know um mm-hmm. again to give you an example like uh, with my family like a few generations back you know there were they're part of there was the whole communism going on and they they have the war with capitalists and communists and you know uh, the the KGB at the time was after them so you have to be really careful you have to watch what you say the walls have ears that kind of thing you know so there's a lot of fear a lot of paranoia but served their generation you know it served them uh, but they needed, it was, it. they needed it to survive mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. the same thing you know the same thing like the previous generation passing it on to to the next and the next has to be like wait a minute i live in a different world now i don't need these things anymore i need to release those because they don't serve me i don't need that but yet you'll carry the paranoia for no particular reason anymore so you have to become aware of it and then release it and same thing as a child you know the things that are hindering you now the defenses actually really served you as a child you coped with that and you know there's certain defenses that you built as a child that worked for you back then and they don't work for you anymore and that's totally okay. Uh, of course, of course, it's completely okay. Mm-hmm. It's completely normal, but it's about recognizing them and saying, "Oh, I'm I'm safe to release these now, and I'm going to imagine a new world, my my new world, my new life, where um, I've reframed these beliefs to serve me now." And ten years later, those beliefs might change also because guess what? Life changes, and the world changes, and <laughs> you know. And such as the growth and evolution. Exactly. Yeah. So you can, it's it's difficult. It's very difficult for the human mind to continue to change because um, they, you know, even psychologists and and psychiatrists say that we haven't evolved past that monkey brain, the fight or flight, the primitive mind that is all about learning one way of behavior and keeping you safe within that. Because if you take it back, you know, to cave days, um, you lived in your cave and you basically kind of knew just one particular area so as long as you get familiar with the rules of that space that's all you have to know so you you you, you familiar like familiarize yourself with the ways get comfortable with them and then live by them for them for all your 20 years of life mm-hmm. <laughs> usually that's probably how long they live so um <laughs> that's you know you, you know that when night comes and you get out of the cave and you hear some noise in the bush you have to run back because most likely there's a predator mm-hmm. right so those instincts of self-sabotage they come from that they come from the fact that you know i need to learn my surroundings lock them in that's my map for life and now everything that begins to resemble um the you know resembles the sound of the intruder or the feeling of being unsafe i have to immediately act upon it and defend myself mm. Right. And it's still part of our psyche. It's still part of our psyche. Yes. So it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. getting there. You see, we're getting better as humans. Like, look at, we're not just having this conversation already, you know, as, and so widely spread, you know, think even back in the eighties, uh, when they were just starting to introduce hypnosis and it was becoming very popular. Um, there was a very limited amount of people that were willing to, to do it. But mm-hmm. I think as a society, we're evolving and, being more and more open and willing to actually 
that shifting and changing our beliefs, which is huge for us because up until then, you know, as a, as a whole, we were so much set in our ways. Right. It's very true. And it's like bringing, it's, I mean, think of the, like the micro and macro bringing awareness to it mm -hmm. alone. Yeah. Starts to shift. We were talking about that earlier. Uh, and it's happening kind of on the huge scale. Right, 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 right. And, yeah. and yeah, you know, there's, you can see the world kind of shifting and changing and something huge like a world war would hit and people would, you know, immediately go back to their shells because there's fear again. You know, it's interesting. Every time the world is trying to kind of open and evolve something fearful would strike globally. Well, it's um, how I see it is it's the test. Because mm -hmm. if we do all these this work and we, you know, do our trauma healing and we do hypnosis and change our beliefs, Mm -hmm. When the old trigger pops up, how do you hold yourself in it? And I think right. that's how you actually anchor into the new way. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's kind of, that's what's happening right now with the coronavirus and everything happening in the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel it's the test because we have been waking up so much, especially in, you know, the, the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I yeah. usually, you know, I, I don't like to see it as um, the universe is giving you a test because I think that's a very human thing. Um, to pass mm. a fail or somebody, you know, I, I never was a believer of a God that, you know, has that human duality. Uh, but I yeah. think the test comes within you that no matter how the circumstance, because you're right, you know, it is a test for yourself. Anything that is disturbing mm -hmm. your world or making you, your triggers, making your triggers come out is a huge test for you to show up the way you've been practicing yeah. or retreat back into your shell so yeah mm -hmm. on that level they're 100 a test and it's point of view and you know you should see it as that you should see it as an opportunity to be like okay exactly um, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna overcome this and, and stick to my beliefs and also be curious you know to say okay you know mm -hmm. what um, let's be curious and see what happens if i don't go back to my old ways how <laughs> how is it going to change my life and you actually i mean um, mostly 100% of the time, you realize, wow, that is, it works. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so true. It's just having faith in that. Mm -hmm. And that belief, it all comes back to. Right. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, where can people find out more about you, what all you do? Because I know we could sit here and talk about this for hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you can just pop over to my uh, hypnosis Instagram, hypnosis symbiosis, and just shoot me an email. And we can take it from there. I, I explain, you know, I have a 15 minute consultation where I can um, explain to you how hypnosis works, ask me all your questions, actually talk about, you know, what you want to work on to see if it's uh, conducive to my practice, of course, or if I might need, uh, you know, a referral. Um, that's not to worry. I, I work with, uh, with referrals from psychologists or psychiatrists. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, I love it. I love the teamwork. I love when, you know, if you yeah. have a whole team around you that's really working on your improvements and self-realization, it's even more amazing and nothing to be ashamed of there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's it for now. I, I am working on, on building a website. Um, but I actually do have, I do actually really enjoy the whole, uh, mystery of, Let's see who's attracted, who needs me, and then kind of have a, you know, and right. then have a have a chat in person and and get to know them. And um, that's how I've always attracted clients. It's always been word of mouth, really. And, 
and of course through the through my Instagram mm-hmm. now, um, when I do want to yeah. reach more people. But, I love yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, for everybody listening, tuning in, make sure you go check out her stuff. As you can tell, she's pretty dope and amazing, uh-huh. and Thank knows you, her stuff. Kevin. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you as well for giving me the opportunity, and thank you for all that you do and the way you're changing the world. I'm really happy that we connected. Me too. I appreciate it. For everybody tuning in, make sure that you put your heart into everything that you do today.